All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! Moments notice. It only... Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go.
Hello Canucks fans, welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. My name is Chris Faber and thank you for joining us this week. The Canucks Conversation is presented by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. Be sure to check out their website for new deals coming up weekly with Pokemon cards, hockey cards, basketball cards, anything that finishes with cards. You know Zephyr Epic has you covered. And be sure to use our promo code HockeySeason, capital H, capital S. That'll get you $5 off your purchase of hockey cards. And we'll also get you free shipping to anywhere in Canada if your order is over $50. Quads, I know you're excited for a lot of things in the future. One of them being Series 2 with the Niels Huglander cards. We talk about it every week on the show. At, well, twice a week, really, on the show, but we're so damn excited for it. Uh, we're coming off fresh off of a Vancouver Canucks overtime win where JT Miller just dangled his way into two points for the Vancouver Canucks. Won't we really be gaining a lot of ground on the Montreal Canadiens as they'll get a loser point in this one? But uh, let's just dive right into it because you know what? This game just ended five minutes ago uh, and let's just get the immediate reaction actions from you in this game I know you had some positive things to get into yeah I mean despite the referees best efforts the Canucks came away with two points tonight now (laughs) the thing is and I think we were talking about this last week Chris is with this series you know we're not talking much about playoffs but the guys in the room are they are fighting they want to make the playoffs that's still the goal and they're gonna keep trying to win as many games as possible until they're into the playoffs officially so When you look at that and you look at the standings and you see that Montreal has games in hand, what we were kind of saying when you and I were talking about this series was if they drop both of these games to Montreal, season's basically done. Because Montreal has, I think, five games in hand on on the Canucks, so losing games to Montreal is not not a good thing at all. You need to beat them whenever you can. That's just how it is going to be for the rest of the season. Every time they play Montreal, they're going to have to beat them. So... This was an important win. This was an important two points. You would have liked to see them not give a point to Montreal, but I like this was a really complete effort by the Canucks. And the thing is, I don't think they've turned in many complete efforts over this winning streak. I think they've gotten very lucky. They've had some really good puck luck. They've had some outstanding goaltending. Like it can't even be understated how good Thatcher Demko has been over this win streak and on a night like tonight where the Canucks actually performed pretty well in front of him and you know this team was is not looks nothing like the team that they iced in Ottawa and you know they beat Ottawa but they played so much so much better tonight than they did in Ottawa and it's unfortunate that they only got two points and weren't able to or or sorry they only gained a point on Montreal uh, after it but Again, you just, I don't know, man. It, it sucks to see Tyler Myers get his face sliced up and, you know, nothing get called. That, that was tough. That was a tough look for those refs. I've always wondered about that rule because follow-throughs doesn't really count, but they always talk so much about being in control of your stick, right? You know, and that's yeah. that's a guy who's bleeding. That's a four-minute minor in a typical situation, but follow-throughs, it's just a strange thing, especially on, like, for people that have played hockey or, you know, even road hockey, you understand this, but like following through on a backhand, you don't really have the same type of, I guess, control like you do on a forehand shot, right? So yeah, that was a pretty yeah. crappy situation at the end there. Obviously, the the Canadians were able to tie it up on a six-on-four situation, Nick Suzuki getting the goal, but... Yeah, you mentioned it. I think it was a strong game throughout for the Vancouver Canucks. I had a little bit of problems with the third period, and and maybe we'll just dive into that a little bit right now. The thing that I just haven't really liked a lot about the Canucks over the past little bit is their inability to kind of extend on the leads, right? Like, they had a really good second period, and it, it would have been nice to see them build on the momentum that they did in the middle frame and actually bring that into the third period when it really felt like 
they were just out there to you know not get scored on and I feel like that mentality is something that's going to hurt this Canucks team if that's something that they're going to continue doing into the future because that's a feeling that I've really gotten in a lot of third periods when the Canucks have a lead over the past couple weeks here yeah no absolutely Uh, it's interesting because that's kind of what separates good teams from great teams you know what I mean and you know what, I, it, you know, call me crazy, but I think it's fair to say after seeing what they were able to do against Montreal, like the Canucks are capable of being a good team. Like Montreal's not a bad team at all. And they were, they went toe to toe with them. They played some of their best hockey. Again, like this, this had to be one of their most complete performances of the season. I think just from a purely shot suppressing, controlling play, you know, Montreal just couldn't get anything done at 5-on-5 in this game, and that's a testament to the Canucks' team defense. The team defense that was non-existent at the start of the year, that's been non-existent at times during this winning streak, It's it was there tonight, and they, they turned in a complete effort. And I know that's a cliche, but they actually did, and that's why... It, it's tough, man. It's tough for it's going to be a tough pill for them to swallow that they only were able to gain a point on Montreal after playing such a complete game. And I'll be interested to see what they do tomorrow. Do they go to Braden Holpe? Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to guess they have to. I mean, with with the tough travel and only one day off on that Sunday before they play in Winnipeg, I believe is who they're going to end up playing on uh, on the Monday there. So I think that I think Holpe's got to get that start in the back to back. But it's going to be tough because yeah, you mentioned it. You know, Demko had another great game. It's it's crazy to say, but I think there was a great quote on the broadcast, and I forget if it was Cheech or Shorty, but one of them mentioned, like, this is a guy who's looking like the player of the month for March right now if he continues to play this way. And I wonder, like, is it too much to go? And I think this is where you really lean on an Ian Clark-type figure on this team to say, like, you know what? Like, this is this is kind of Clarky's decision, I think. I think this is something that, that Clark's going to talk with Demko about. And if he's good to go, like, why not, right? It gives the Canucks the best chance to win, I feel like, even if it is in a tough back-to-back situation where the Canadians played their backup goalie in the first one with Jake Allen. They're going to come back with Carey Price on Saturday night. You're going to have a a little bit of a tougher matchup trying to get a puck past him. But it feels like a good spot, you know, like, maybe not a good spot, but it feels like, you know, Demko should should really not be an option, right? Like, it, it really shouldn't be an option, but, like, from what he's done this month, the way that he's playing consistently throughout the month of March, I really think it actually is an option that we could see him on Saturday. All I'm going to say, Chris, my take from a few weeks back that Braden Holby should only play back <laughs> the second of back-to-backs from here on out that you called crazy, looking pretty good right now. Yeah, it, I'll give you that. It is looking pretty good. Uh, I, I thought you were ludicrous saying, I think what you you said something like 28 of the remaining 30 games. Like he's yeah. he's he's doing a damn good job of trying to make you look good for the podcast. <laughs> that's for sure. He must have seen the Ian Clark article that you put out the other day. So yeah. I yeah, I mean he's he's been excellent. Like straight up, he has been one of the best players. You know, one of the best contributors to their hockey team in the month of March throughout the NHL. Not only on this Canucks team, it's pretty obvious. I mean, I, you know, I listen to a ton of different podcasts, right? And a lot of the a lot of Canucks podcasts have like a player of the week, best player of the week, and they'll say who they liked over the past week or what they liked about a player if they did something on or off the ice. And I've been noticing a lot of the Canucks podcasts around the market are doing like, all right, who's been the best player of the week aside from Demko? Because it's just like, it's such an easy thing to dive into and just say that he has been the best because he's really just been excellent. Like putting up the numbers that he's doing and keeping Canucks in games is something this team absolutely needs to be a winning team. And they're getting that right now. This is, this is something that's just, it's really impressive. Like it's absolutely mind blowing to think that this was actually possible coming into this year. Like a lot of people were thinking that Thatcher Demko could make the push into the starters role, 
But God, like I, I did not see him starting this many games in a row and just really just stealing the number one net netminder position from Braden Holtby, who really hasn't seen action in almost two weeks now. Yeah, man, I, I didn't see it coming. I'll be the first to say I didn't see it coming. I knew Demko, like, you know, there's there's a couple receipts that I have to pull up about me telling people that Demko was going to put up league best numbers uh, this season, people who disagreed with me, but I, I've always been a believer in Thatcher Demko, to be honest with you. Like, just when I'm when I've watched him play, I've always thought he was just, you know, he, he was so not technically sound when he got to the Canucks, right? And he's worked mm. so hard on it, and he's become such a technically sound goaltender now. And, it, you know, it reminds me a lot of Jacob Markstrom and just kind of, you know, gee, I wonder what the common variable there is, right? Like, obviously, <laughs> obviously uh. Ian Clark's effect on these guys can't be understated. But, again, like, a lot of it is just Thatcher Demko came to play. He came to play in the bubble, and he came to play this season. And it's just, it's he's starting to... And I, you know, I, he's starting to for a lot of people, but I've always said to stop calling him Bubble Demko or saying, oh, does this remind you of the bubble? Like, he does, he said, he's like, I don't want to just be a guy who had a good playoff series. Like, I want to be a consistent goaltender. I think, you know, I think it's safe to say now, Chris, that this is just Thatcher Demko. It's not Bubble Demko. It's just Demko. <laughs> no, it absolutely is. Sorry, I, had a, I have to have a laugh here. I'm just seeing some of the quotes come out from the post game. Uh, Nate Schmidt acknowledging the uh, gone streaking um, God streaking quote, I guess, from Brendan Batchelor and saying it's pretty cold out there, eh, Frank? So that's uh, a little movie dig there for for people. Nate Schmidt, uh, obviously doing a great job in media, of course, as usual. Uh, but I, I do want to get more into this game a little bit because we we spent a ton of time talking about Thatcher Demko on the on the Tuesday episode that we threw out. But uh, I do want to just kind of touch on this game because some interesting line combinations, obviously, from what we saw. We saw Jimmy VC play with JT Miller, and maybe we'll touch on that line last because I was very impressed with them. But I, I want to start with a line that I thought was going to be really interesting with the return of Elias Pettersson because over the two games against the Ottawa Senators, the line of Niels Huglander, Bo Horvat, and Brock Besser looked so damn good. Like, they were very impressive to watch against the Ottawa Senators. Not as good of a game here uh, on Friday night against the Montreal Canadiens. So let's start with that line. They ended up playing 11 minutes and 49 seconds together at 5-on-5 tonight uh, as we're recording this on Friday night. Uh, only controlled 33% of the attempted shots on the ice, so a pretty low Corsi percentage. Expected goals didn't look great for them, but what did you see from that line uh, in Friday night's game? Sorry, I was reading tweets. Which line are we talking about? <laughs> the uh, the line of Huglander, Horvat, and Besser. Because okay. that, that line's looked really impressive over the past couple days against the Sens. Yeah, they have. They have. So tonight against Montreal, it was really interesting to me, Chris, because I thought Brock Besser had an off night. To be honest with you, I didn't really notice him much tonight. I didn't think he was fantastic. One guy who I did think was fantastic on that line was Nils Huglander. Like, holy mm-hmm. smokes, the play he was... The, oh, man. It's just he brings it every night, right? Like, that's the thing is he just brings it every night. And he's he's like a, he's a good... He's like a huge bright spot on just a club that hasn't had many this season. And I think... The consistency is probably what shocks me the most about Huglander because, you know, he just goes 100% into every board battle. And, you know, you would think after a while that might get a little tiring, especially when your team's not getting the results and, you know, all this other stuff that plays into it, especially like over a full 82 game, or, well, I guess not a full 82 game season, but over the course of a season, you'd think that someone like that would want to kind of slow down a bit, maybe like go a little easier into the board battles. But no, he brings it every game. And, Tonight, I think you're just seeing those great underlying statistics for him and all those analytics that are pointing to him. 
he should probably have more goals. He should probably have more points. I think you're really yeah. starting to see it come through. And I really think this is a player that deserves to be mentioned in the same breath with this core. When you're talking about this core, they deserve he deserves to be mentioned with Elias Patterson, uh, Vasily Pod Colts, and like that. This is a guy you want to try and build your team around. It's all of these guys like Hughes, Patterson, Pod Colts, and Besser, Horvat. You know, I I'd like to like to say Miller as well, but again, I've always kind of looked at Miller as maybe more of a complementary piece that you can kind of move when you need to, but you can always add with more GT Millers. You know what I mean? But again, like Hoglander, he's someone that you want to try and build with. He's someone that bought into the system. He's someone that just got it from day one with this team. And I think it's someone that you really do want to try and build your team around. And to think that this young player who's a smaller body guy, uh, I guess just shorter guy, I mean, he's a thick boy, but you know, he's, he's been able to come into a lineup that's played some of the toughest minutes for this Vancouver Canucks team. I just, I've loved the duo of him and Bo Horvat all season long. I think that they really complement each other nicely and, and Brock Besser being on that line is kind of like the added scoring that that line could really use. I mean, Horvat can bury goals. Huglander's proven that he's a great playmaker. Brock Besser seems like a great fit on that line, and that's kind of where I want to continue this conversation with you. With Elias Pettersson, we've seen a lot of success over Elias Pettersson's career when he's with Brock Besser. Sorry, Elias Pettersson. Uh, we'll do that for Disto, who always compliments on uh, us saying it wrong. But we've seen Elias Pettersson play a ton of minutes with Brock Besser over his NHL career. Do you think that Travis Green will go away from the Huglander Horvat Besser trio once Pedersen is back? And if you want to expand on that a little bit, what are your thoughts on Elias Pedersen right now and when he does return to the lineup? Like, is there, there's not really a timeline for it. From day to day has now turned into week to week, and it's just kind of an unfortunate situation. But the Canucks have been winning without him, so it's going to be a nice boost to get him back in the lineup pretty soon here. Okay, so you. I don't think are checking your phone or scrolling through Twitter like I am. Elias Patterson just got placed on LTIR. Uh, it's confirmed by Elliot Friedman. Now, what this means to me, Chris, is that he is not coming back until after the bye week. And the Canucks have like five days off coming up here. Uh, I don't think we're going to see him back before that. I think, you know, he tr- did travel with the team, which is good, but I don't see him coming back uh, before that bye week is over even if he's ready to go for maybe the last one before that break why rush it right like they're winning hockey games you know let him fully recover let him do what he needs to do let him get comfortable he'll have that week to practice I think that's actually that's going to work in the Canucks favor kind of how that schedule is work working out for them now I think that's going to really help the Canucks it's going to help Elias Pettersson but yeah just to kind of add to what you were saying yes Elias Pettersson probably isn't going to play for the rest of this road trip and I don't think he's going to play until after the uh, bye week right because so the Canucks are going to get back to action after the bye week on March 31st uh, that's a full week off that's going to be the Monday uh, so they're going to get six full days of you know not having any games that's going to be a great time for him to get back in the lineup of course uh, I just I wonder about actually and you know what we'll dive into more of what we like from these lines today let's touch on the bottom six you obviously got the goal from Adam Gaudet from the fourth line Brandon Sutter's line uh, looked like they brought a lot of you know defensive awareness when they played on the ice but I'll, I'll start here and I just thought I thought that was one of Brandon Sutter's worst games of the season I mean like there were times where he yeah. was thrown out to be an extra an extra center in the defensive zone draws did a horrible job of getting the puck out of the defensive zone hesitated multiple times lost possession of the puck trying to get it out that just didn't work I mean he was thrown out there with Horvat and Besser to play instead of Niels Huglander to be that extra center in case he was thrown out of the faceoff dot or even if it was on the right side Brandon Sutter was just asked to take the faceoff instead of Bo Horvat 
I thought that that was one of Brandon Sutter's worst games of the year. He didn't look good on the penalty kill. Uh, he didn't look good at five on five. It just, I just thought it was a sloppy game for him. But I did like a lot of what I saw from the Roussel Godet McEwen line. That line had a lot of energy. Antoine Roussel had the man, like what a brutal call early on in the game when Suzuki was falling over and Roussel's stick is just in the area. Then he gets a tripping penalty for that. That was a brutal call. Uh, and then you know, obviously they end up scoring the goal. That's a bad situation for the Canucks to start the game. They bounce back in the second period. But for you, looking at that bottom six, what did you see that kind of stuck out positively or negatively in this game? Well, I think Brandon Sutter is playing hurt, to be honest with you, because I'm trying to figure out, you know, why did Brandon Sutter all of a sudden play so poorly? Didn't fall out of the sky. I know he was playing hurt before, and I think he's doing it right now. Again, man, contract year, guys want to play. Like, they want to play. And I do think Brandon Sutter's playing hurt right now. That's... Not based off any insider knowledge or anything like that. I'm just speculating here. I, I think he, he's playing hurt right now. And I think that's partly, you know, he, he's also, I don't know where you've been, but he's he's not really the best player on the Canucks. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I do think that can partly be attributed to him maybe playing through an injury, uh, his poor play as of late. But as for the bottom six, I mean, man, once Pedersen comes back, I'm looking at the bottom six and seeing, like, there's a spot for Jimmy VC there. And one part of the Jimmy VC acquisition that I really liked was, listen, last week we were talking on this podcast about how it's fun to see Miller at center. And, yeah, maybe the Canucks can make a top nine this season. No, they couldn't. Because the only winger, you can't have a top nine that features Brandon Sutter on somebody's wing. You just can't. Or Antoine Roussel. It's not a proper top nine. But now, if you have Jimmy VC there, all of a sudden you're looking at a scenario where you actually can construct a top nine. Like, you're looking at a first line of Hoglander, Pedersen, Besser, a second line of Pearson, Horvat, Vertanen, and then third line would have Miller, VC, and Gaudet. Like, th- that's three pretty good lines that can score. Now, Pearson's out. And Pearson's going to be out for four weeks, which I think we have to talk about a little. Maybe we'll talk about it on the other side of the break, but that's... Right. There goes all hope of well not all hope but there goes most of the hope of trading Pearson for anything like damaged goods I don't know man I don't know if any team's gonna be looking for that trade deadline's coming up pretty quickly here I don't think Tanner Pearson's gonna get dealt to be honest with you we'll talk about it more on the other side but that's kind of the one player I really want to talk about was Jimmy VC and just kind of how such a minor pickup and listen like if you want to if you want to learn how poor the Canucks roster has been constructed. You just look a player who was acquired on waivers for nine being paid 900,000 just bumped up to their first line tonight. Like he, he came in and he was playing on the first power play unit. Like that's, that's where it's at right now. Like that's how the Canucks are structured right now. And that's why I don't know if you remember this, Chris, when we were talking about roster construction a while ago, and I was kind of saying like the bottom six is just absolute dead weight and you don't need all these guys. Like, I, I pointed to Jimmy VC. I said, I was like, Jimmy VC is a guy who's being paid 900000 and is giving Toronto actual value in their bottom six and giving them some secondary scoring punch. Now he comes to Vancouver, and this is a player that, honestly, Chris, like I, I loved that pickup for the Canucks. That was an absolutely fantastic pickup for the Canucks, and it really did seem like a no-brainer, uh, just given the cap hit and given kind of how it's a really no-risk move, and you just lost Pearson, you don't have Pedersen right now. And he was able to travel and basically play right away. That that's a good pickup for this management group. Like, 
I know I had a lot of people tweeting me being like, that's where the bar is. It's a $900,000 pickup. And it's like, yeah, that's where the bar is. I didn't create the bar. That's where it is. Okay. So that's the one player I really want to talk about was Jimmy VC. I think he had a strong game tonight. I'm excited to see where he kind of goes from here. Absolutely. I, I thought he was one of the stronger forwards. The Vancouver Canucks, he was fourth in ice time out of forwards on the on the ice on Friday night. It was also a season high for minutes for Jimmy VC as he jumped into the Canucks lineup, playing over three minutes more than his highest ice time of the year with the Toronto Maple Leafs earlier in the season. Before getting picked up, he led the Canucks in individual scoring chances. Uh, I just thought he was a really impactful player, but the thing that I liked, and you know, obviously the numbers offensively look good from the analytics, he looked like a guy who fit right in on a line with JT Miller and Jake Vertanen, who really that line, you know, for a good majority of the game, looked pretty strong together as a trio that was just assembled and skating for the first time together. But what I really liked about Jimmy Vesey, and I wonder if this is something that he is just doing because it's his first time showing up for the coach. But man, the effort level for him back-checking and getting involved was something that I just absolutely loved in his debut with the Canucks. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Because, okay, so we were looking at kind of, I was looking at the scouting report on him and kind of reading what other people were saying about him. And, you know, he is a defensively responsible forward. He just kind of wasn't tabbed to be that when he came into the league, right? Like he was going to be of this big score and it just hasn't worked out for him. And he kind of talked about that in his first press conference with Canuck, or with Vancouver media. He was kind of talking about how, you know, the scoring hasn't been consistent enough. And that's something I have to work on, but it comes from playing at both ends of the ice. And I think that was really evident in his game tonight. I think the reason he was trusted with so many minutes was because he was committed to both ends of the ice. And that's just somebody that's right up Travis's green's alley. Like that's, that's a player that Travis green thinks he can win with. That's a player that Travis green thinks he can work with. And honestly, Chris, when they get healthy, I think you're looking at another $4 million in Antoine Roussel going to the press box when VC can be put in the bottom six instead. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think that's that's going to be interesting because without Tanner Pearson, you you kind of need Roussel now for that penalty killing, right? But getting Mott back is a good boost actually thinking about it. I'm just trying mm-hmm. to think who would be the other winger that would kill. Like, would they use JT Miller as a winger? Because right now they're going to bring Zach McEwen in. I think Jace Howerluck actually seems to be the option that they probably should go to. But I'd be surprised. Maybe not. Like, I, I think I'd be surprised to see... Howerluck draw into a lineup over a healthy Antoine Roussel, would you not? No, I wouldn't right now. The way both of them are playing, not a chance. No way. I, I think it's Howerluck ahead of Roussel right now, just just solely based on the way they're playing. And kind of on that note, when we're talking about the penalty kill, Jimmy Vesey kills penalties. Like, he has that ability. He did it in Toronto, and he did it with past teams as well. Like, he knows how to do it. He can do it. And look, I know they've used Antoine Roussel in that role right now, but I don't think they're married to that idea like they need Antoine Roussel in the lineup because he's got to kill penalties I think honestly Chris when I look at the lineup and I look at what I think Travis would do I think they're just going to get more value out of having VC in the bottom six and letting him kill penalties I think that's just the way it is like I I think it's going to be Roussel who comes out maybe got it but again I just I just think the way they're playing right now all the players that they're playing right now and just solely looking at how they've played over this streak God, that's a guy who looks like he's heating up. He's starting to get the results. We've talked about it for a long time. His underlying numbers have looked great, and he was supposed to be scoring more goals. Now they're coming. Now he's starting to convert, and I think it's hard to take a guy like that out of the lineup. I don't think it's hard to take Antoine Roussel out of this lineup right now. 
Right, and I think the addition of, you know, when G. Beagle comes in, that probably means that Zach McEwen might slide out, and, and that's another penalty kill, right? So that does kind of solve the problem. If VC is able to do it, and from seeing the way that he defended at 5-on-5, five five, I, I can see that being a possibility. The numbers for him on the PK aren't something that I really looked up, so uh, thanks for that tidbit if that's something that you've seen over the past little bit, just kind of diving into some numbers, or maybe <laughs> I'm sure you've read like edited quite a few uh, VC articles over the past couple days anyways. I know that we've seen a couple on Canucks army as well so um yeah that that would be a great boost like not only is he able to right now play on one of the top lines for the vancouver canucks who who played just a like a fraction of time less than the horvat line did tonight kind of in a second line role that that line worked right like that was a spot not only where jimmy vc fit in the top six and the line worked but jake Vertanen also fit in the top six and worked in that situation so it's going to be really interesting to see you know when when they go on this six day break, and we'll likely see Elias Pettersson come back after that break. I wonder which of the six players do you think is going to drop down to a third line role? Is it automatically Jimmy VC for you, or do you think that they maybe slide Elias Pettersson in to play with Miller and VC? Man, that's tough because I really don't think you want to split up Miller and VC, and I think that's kind of why it gives you that opportunity to construct a top nine is because. Look, and I know I know it's not much, but they were teammates in New York, and he said he knows Miller really well in that press conference when he was talking. He said, this is a guy I know really well, and yeah, I'm excited to play with him, and Miller was the first one that reached out to VC when he found out about the claim. They played together on a line tonight, and Chris, did they ever look good? I don't know what they're going to do when they bring Elias Patterson back, but I don't think you want to split up Elias Patterson and Brock Besser. I think that's the place where he belongs once he comes back, and I think you're bumping Horvat back down because right now Horvat's centering uh, Besser and Huglander, so I think that's going to be the change we see when uh, when Patterson's healthy again. And honestly, like I think it's right there for them to kind of construct that top nine. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about VC over the past couple of days, of course, and, and it's an exciting pickup. Like it, they, I mean, we haven't had a show since they did pick up Jimmy VC from the waiver wire, and it, it's just the perfect addition to this team. I know that you you were kind of clamoring for a third string goalie so that we could get Mikey DiPietro some games. That's still obviously a, another yeah, still a still a home run uh, pickup. Next time, the next pretty much the next goaltender that goes on the waiver wire, you know, if it's if it's a decent option as your third string goalie. Like, you got to pick that guy up. And, and I'm curious, like, Quaz, does it even need to be a guy that you're really happy as your third-string goalie? Or do you just think that, like, getting a guy who who's really just an AHL-NHL tweener is still the right option just because it's going to get DiPietro down to Utica, who, who by the way, the Utica Commons second weekend in a row where their games have been canceled due to COVID-19 concerns. Uh, I believe we saw Patrick Johnson send out a tweet earlier this week that there was a confirmed COVID t- case for the Comets. Uh, that was during that came off the heels of a game where I believe it was the Rochester Americans had multiple COVID uh, pro- positive tests that came back, and the Comets played them just a couple days before that news broke about the Rochester Americans. So, you know, it, there's going to be an extended season now in the AHL, right? There's no playoffs, but we're seeing all these games being added to the end of the season now, you know, later into May. So the season's already going a week longer than what we would have expected. It just feels like any goaltender they hit the waiver wire should be a top priority for the Vancouver Canucks to grab. Or am I crazy? Like, does it need to be a guy that you're okay playing NHL games with right now? Honestly, I really don't think it does. Like, look, I hate to be doom and gloom, Chris, but if Thatcher Demko goes down, the season's over. Like, it's (laughs) just the reality of it. So it's like, you're not really worried about winning games, right, at that point. So, you know... (laughs) 
Like, I think you just have to kind of keep that in mind that if Thatcher Demko goes down, your season's basically done anyway, so you're not really... But Quads, is that, is that not the reason why Mikey DiPietro's there? Like, to be the backup if one of the goalies goes down? Otherwise, what the hell's the point of him being on the taxi squad? No, you're right. That That is the point. That's why he's there. It's it's If someone goes down, he's going to back up. But And he probably mm-hmm. even play. Like, he, they would use him in a game, and they wouldn't be afraid to either. Like, the guy needs to get games in. And listen, we're talking about Utica, we're talking about Manitoba, but holy smokes, man. Like, it it makes sense for him to play some games in... Um, in a Canucks uniform, like it, it does. It's if your if your season's over when Demko goes down, or you know, and, and let's just say for for this argument's sake that there's an E next to the Canucks names, especially right. Like you're not afraid to use Di Pietro. You, they might even try yeah. and do that when Demko's still healthy. You know what I mean? And just let Di Pietro get his feet wet. I right. again, I it'd be. I think that'd be a scenario where Travis's hand is kind of forced, but I think it. It's not completely out of the realm of possibility, and we keep going on these Zoom calls. I keep wanting to ask him about it, but I don't know how to kind of frame the question in a way that isn't like, why aren't you playing this guy? And it's like, you know what I mean? I just, I want to figure a way to frame it in a way that's like, do you want to get him in games? I don't know. I'll I'll keep thinking about it, but I think it's, it's a more appropriate question once the team's actually eliminated from playoff contention, but right. yeah, I don't think you're really looking at a third goaltender and saying, wow, we really need this guy to step in and get us some wins. Like you literally just need him to be there so that you don't have to call an emergency backup. If one of your goaltenders goes down and right, that's, that's the situation that the Canucks are dealing with right now. And the last thing I want to say about the DiPietro situation is um, basically Belleville, the Belleville Senators, the Ottawa Senators farm team, is like completely run dry of goaltenders right now. And if you're going to loan him, we were talking about Manitoba and how you wouldn't get a ton of games there. If you're going to loan him somewhere else, man, if you pick up a goalie and loan him to to Belleville, or even even if you're even if you don't claim a goalie and you just want to rework it somehow maybe you bring Kylie up to be the third string or you bring Silovs in or Silovs or whatever it is there's ways to make that work because again he's not going to have to quarantine so if a goaltender goes down they can quickly call Di Pietro from Belleville and you'll be there within the next day or two so that's a scenario where you're not really looking at a situation where it's oh we just sent this guy down and now we have to wait two weeks for him to come back up because again you're not going to want Silovs or Silovs in a game you're not going to want him in an NHL game so that's kind of a scenario that I'm looking at. I don't know. Maybe they're working the phones. I know they're working on it. I talked to Curtis Sanford, a goaltending consultant and Utica Comets goalie coach, and he just said, like, yeah, it's a bad situation, and I know they're working on it, but he couldn't offer much else. But the point, the moral of the story is they are working on it, and they want, they know it's a bad situation. Like, nobody's sitting there and saying, no, this is fine. It's fine that this guy hasn't played any games. Like, everybody knows that he needs to get into some games soon. Yeah, I, uh, I haven't even really thought about the Belleville situation, but yeah, that's a good move for them. I mean, obviously, if he had to fly to Vancouver, I believe that there's a different quarantine that he would have to do, but it's, it's seven days, I think, if you're entering another province, I believe, but I could no, be wrong with no, that. No, it's not. Yes, yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> Is it only if you're dri- I think that's if you're driving, though. It was Atlantic Canada before, and I think that rule that you're you're talking about is uh, is gone. 
Oh, okay. Well, good news that if he can fly right in and, and hop right in, that's a great move for them. And and yeah, I think the Belleville situation, obviously we saw with uh, with Decord and Gustafsson over the past couple days that, you know, there has to be an opening down in Belleville, but we'll see if it happens. Or if, if even if he just gets sent down to Utica as well, right? If the two-week quarantine happens, I believe that's going to have to come with them picking up a third-string goalie because, yeah, I don't think they're going to be confident in Archer Silovs or Jake Kiley being that guy. But we'll, we will see what happens. It's still an ongoing situation, but men, would it be would it be you know shooting yourself in the foot to the max if we see a full season where Mikey DiPietro doesn't get to face game action even once, right? Like not even in a scrimmage at training camp was he able to face game action or get that type of feel. So that would be a huge step back in his development. But that we'll, we'll finish up on this, and, and I know you love to rant about it, so this might be a good one to dive into about two players that I know you adore. Um, looking at it, is it? Is it a similar situation or like how far along the lines of development do you think Mikey DiPietro is compared to a guy like Jack Rathbone? Because Canucks Twitter and and a lot of Canucks fans are clamoring to see what Jack Rathbone can do at the NHL level. I think it's going to take an injury or potentially even two to actually see Rathbone in action. Or it'll take the point of the Canucks being eliminated from the playoffs to see Rathbone slide into a game or two. And in that situation of the Canucks being eliminated, something that you just brought up was, you know, if they are eliminated, eliminated, maybe that is a chance to see Mikey D. Pietro hop into a game or two here. So I'm wondering, like, along the lines of development and readiness to actually just see a shot in the NHL, how much further ahead is Rathbone than Mikey D. Pietro, if at all? Hmm. It's tough to compare a goaltender and a defenseman. Like, of course, yeah. I don't really know how we would compare the two. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like. Not only do they have different development paths, and not only are they different ages and different kind of steps in their development. Actually, are they the same age? I think they're both 21. Um, <laughs> but what I was going to say is, you know, Rathbone was playing NCAA hockey last year, right? And Di Pietro was playing professional hockey. So with that in mind, I'm going to go with Di Pietro because, well, hmm. when you say further along in their development, are you meaning who's closer to making an impact in the NHL? What I was kind of saying is like dipping their toes into the NHL because there's different situations, right? Like, I don't think Rathbone is going to hop in and automatically be a guy that's going to force his way into the top four. But I also think that DiPietro isn't quite the ready to hop in and be a starter. So I'm just kind of like talking about dipping their toes in and maybe, I guess, because it's different with goalies, especially in DiPietro's spot. Obviously, he'll likely be the backup. But let's compare it to like, what do you think's closer? DiPietro playing three games at the NHL this season or Jack Rathbone playing in 10? Uh, probably DiPietro, because like you said, it's going to take an injury to get Rothbone into some games, and I think just if, especially if they can't figure out this third goalie situation, and it's going to be DiPietro. Like, is going to get games one way or another, and I wouldn't be surprised if, especially when there's an E next to their name, that it's with the Canucks that he's getting those starts. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Or even if he's coming in relief, if there's like a blowout, or even if they're down by like four or five goals, whatever... They just wanted him to come in. That's what he did last year when uh, when it was Markstrom and Ned against Vegas, and he played eight minutes against Vegas. He actually did pretty well. Uh, I I think it's Di Pietro, so I'll say Di Pietro. But again, like I still think I think Rathbone's further along in terms of being able to make an impact in the NHL. Like I I don't think Di Pietro's ready to be an NHL starter yet. I think that's not a hot take at all. But I do think <laughs> Rathbone is a little bit closer to being an impact top four defenseman than Di Pietro is to being a starter. Oh man, you should have thrown that out there. You should say like the Canucks should be starting DPH. That would be the worst. That would be the coldest take I might have ever heard. 
Especially, like, <laughs> if that would have been something that came out of your mouth, that would have been a lot of fun. But, yeah, no. uh, okay, we got a lot of stuff to uh, dive into on the other side. We have the Tanner Pearson injury to talk about what his trade value might be. Vasily Colson getting closer and closer to the NHL. Uh, and I got some information on Olia Levy because I've been seeing a lot of people in the replies uh, to some tweets and, and comments in the Canucks Army article. So I just want to set the record straight on the expansion with Olia Levy because I talked to some people in the industry uh, that work for NHL teams and got some information. So we'll dive into that on the other side. Uh, Lots to talk about here on a, on a really jam-packed episode of Canucks Conversation. But we'll see you on the other side of these commercials. All right, guys, before we go any further into the episode, are you a fan of simulation and hockey management games? Then be sure to check out Puck Drop, an up-and-coming game for your iPhone and iPad that puts you in the role of general manager of your favorite hockey franchise. In this mode, you guys can sign players, trade players, scout prospects, and select your team to try and build the next cup champion. A lot of fun for people that know about those simulation leagues back in the day. I don't know if anybody else was in these back in 2010, but uh, similar deal here, but now on an app. So just search for Puck Drop in the App Store or visit puckdrop.app and start playing for free today. So check it out, or you can follow them on Twitter as well, at puckdropmanager. Zephyr Epic is Canada's source for trading card games and sports cards. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50, and you can use promo code Hockey Season with a capital H and a capital S, all one word, Hockey Season, to get $5 off your order exclusively for Canucks Conversation podcast listeners. Be sure to join them live on Twitch for Epic Case Break openings. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Zephyr Epic, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic, on all platforms. Do you ever have a long work day where you just forget to hit the liquor store on the way home and then you got no beer for your game? Well, problem solved, folks. Same day delivery now from the folks at Parallel 49 Beer. That's right, the P49 crew is here and available on Uber Eats. All that brew directly to you with Uber Eats and Parallel 49's online store. Shop.parallel49brewing.com or check out more information on their Twitter and Instagram pages at Parallel49Beer. The pandemic and a slow economy are making it tough on a lot of people to find steady, good-paying work. But one industry is bucking that trend. Construction companies are hiring and need more workers than ever before. Upload your resume to icba.ca and get noticed. With more than 3,000 employees on our ICBA team, our employment network can connect you to businesses crewing up for the 2021 construction season. Trade jobs that pay well, offer excellent benefits, invest in safety training, and give a firm career foundation. Check out icba.ca slash jobs. Alright, short and sweet one here for our friends at Mike's Hard Lemonade. The Blue Freeze. If you haven't tried it, folks, you need to get out and try the Mike's Hard Blue Freeze. By far my favorite alcoholic beverage on the market right now. If you're going to just enjoy a few drinks at a game or it's a Saturday night and you got a Zoom party with some of your friends, take yourself down to the BC Liquor Store which or your local liquor store, wherever you get drinks. Pick up some Mike's Hard Blue Freeze, the best tastiest drink on the market right now. And thank you very much to our sponsors. It's time to dive into the second half of the episode. Lots to talk about. We're going to kind of move away from Friday night's game and look more into the future. And one of the specific things that we want to talk about is, of course, the Tanner Pearson injury. We now understand, we learned Friday morning, that Tanner Pearson is going to be out for four weeks. Quads, your initial reaction to hearing the news? A tough, tough one for both sides obviously Pearson wants to play obviously the Canucks want him to play because whether they're looking to re-sign or you know 
or trade him, you want the player healthy. It sucks for everybody involved in this situation. I mean, I like yeah, I I guess that's kind of where I'll end it because Satyar Shah of Sportsnet 650 had a good point today on Twitter. He basically said there goes all hope of a trade unless there's a conditional pick involved in it. And basically the condition would be that Pearson's healthy enough to play. So hmm. I don't know. It's It doesn't completely shut out a trade, but it is definitely much more difficult to trade a player who's been hurt for four weeks than it is to trade one who's been producing and has been playing in the top six of your lineup to a contender. So... It's not going to be easy. I don't think the return is going to be as great as fans were hoping it would be, especially after the injury. Um, but I guess I guess one thing I kind of thought about was, do the Canucks claim Jimmy VC if Tanner Pearson's not out for an extended period of time? Like, do they, do they still put in that claim on the waiver? Because I'm not sure they do. I hope they do because I, I've said it already. I think Jimmy VC's an absolute no-brainer pickup for this club even with Pearson healthy, but do they do it if Pearson's if Pearson's still there? I, I'm not sure. Yeah, they, they iced Jalen Chatfield as a winger uh, the night they picked him up, so I'm going to guess that they uh, they kind of needed a guy like Jimmy Vc to slide into the lineup, so I, I think they would do it without it. But Oh, yes, yeah. that's right. Sorry, Pearson got yeah. hurt before. Okay, sorry, Pearson got hurt after. Okay, yeah, just completely right. scratched what I just said for the last 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like for for anybody that's maybe a new Canucks fan, uh, welcome to the norm. Uh, the one guy that did have quite a bit of value going into the trade deadline that could probably return. A lot of people said second round pick. That was kind of the standard that was being floated out there. Could have been a third plus something or potentially a prospect and a fifth or a fourth. But, you know, he would have returned something at the trade deadline. He's a guy who plays as a middle six forward, has proven that he can bring success to a top six as well. So unfortunate situation, like you said, for him and for the team because, you know, he's probably a guy that probably wants to go out and win. You know, he wants to go out there and have a chance to compete for a Stanley Cup anyway. So that's a tough move for him. And then the Canucks, value-wise, you mentioned it. You know, that's that's a potential loss of a draft pick because you could have moved a guy like Tanner Pearson. So we will see what happens. Four weeks is going to take you past the trade deadline. So, I mean, that's a tough situation to have yourself in right now. So what Sat said in that tweet, I think, is a good way to look at it. From a positive standpoint, I guess, like, it's still possible, but, man... It's just it's such a Canucks thing to happen, right? Yeah, it is. Like people were <laughs> people were pulling up old tweets that they had where they were like, "Oh, well, Pearson's just gonna play, and they're not gonna trade him in advance of the trade deadline. They're gonna wait and see, and he's just gonna get hurt." And people were pulling it up, being like, "See, I told you so." And it's just like, man, that's like way too predictable. <laughs> that's 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 a tough blow for everybody involved. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, okay. We'll move on to another subject here because this one, you know, it's going to be a quiet uh, storyline for the next little bit with Tanner Pearson. But uh, so I wrote about Oli Levy earlier this week about him bringing a jolt to the lineup, and I noticed a lot of the comments and replies on Twitter were people saying that maybe the Canucks aren't playing him so that they don't have to protect him for the expansion draft. Um, that's completely uh, inaccurate. As the problem is, I think a lot of people might have seen what their most recent article from the NHL was when they talked about the Seattle expansion draft. So the big difference from the one that the Seattle, the one that they just put out on NHL.com earlier in the summer about the expansion draft saying that it would be the exact same rules as the Knights, but there was somewhat of a typo. So in that article about the Seattle expansion draft, they wrote all first and second year NHL players and unsigned draft choices will be exempt from selection. So what they were kind of talking about there was the thing that people are mentioning, where if Olya Levy plays under 40 games or under 24 games this season, then he won't have to be, 
or he won't be available to be picked out of the team. The Canucks won't have to protect him. But in this situation, it's it's just inaccurate because they they meant to say professionals. It's not NHL players, and Olia Levy has multiple seasons in the AHL and is now playing in the NHL. He's a player that the Canucks are going to have to protect no matter how many games yeah. he plays this year. So I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Quads. No, just that you're right, and I'm glad you kind of set that <laughs> straight because, yes, I was going to yeah. chime in there because I thought, yeah, yeah, you, you, you nailed it. You nailed it. It's professional seasons. That's how it works. Yeah, exactly. So if a player is 20 years or older, their AHL season counts towards one of those two requirements for the expansion draft to kind of simplify it. So I like I I know some people that you know are kind of trolls and, and have been commenting on it saying that, that was the reason, but I also know some relatively good people that I do interact with online that were kind of asking that question, so I just kind of wanted to address it here. It doesn't matter how many games he plays this year. Um, it, it's really more about... Uh, just the fact that he had time in the AHL, right? I mean, like, the the way that it's kind of written down, and this is the other part that I think a lot of people got confused with, so I'm just going to read what you have to send out as one of the players for a defenseman. You're going to have to send out one defenseman, right? Like, you're going to have to make one player available for the Seattle uh, Kraken to pick. You're going to have to choose two forwards or one defenseman. And for the defenseman, or sorry, you're going to have to do both. This is hard to explain because it's so it's so wordy with a lot of this stuff. But the defenseman that you're going to have to be like put out and be available for Seattle is going to have to be a player that's under contract in the 2021-22 season and has played in 27 or more NHL games or played in 54 games or more NHL games over the last two seasons. There's been like another number that's out there as well, just from like trying to find the stats on this is another number about 40 pro pro games before the season which is kind of where Yolevi falls into so just just to simplify it I guess like Yolevi is going to have to be protected um and I think that the the Canucks are going to have to like Tyler Myers feels like the guy that they are going to have to put out there and be available to the Kraken I don't think the Kraken are going to take him but I'm also wondering like Jim Benning signed Tyler Myers. Do you think that Tyler Myers is a guy that he wants to protect? And and maybe he does leave Yolevi out there to be selected by the Kraken. I think it'd be a horrible move. But, you know, does Benning have enough trust in Myers that he wants to protect him here? No, because I think kind of what you said, if he leaves him unprotected, you know, it's no secret the back years of that contract aren't going to be good for the Canucks. Listen, if they leave him unprotected it's almost guaranteed that Seattle's not selecting him. If they do, that's a favor, and that should come as a bit of a relief to Jim Benning, I think. Like, mm. yeah, people will point at it and say, see how bad this signing was? They'd leave him unprotected. But once you move past the Twitter warriors, you would just then reconstruct your blue line. You would just find another right-handed defenseman who can give you similar production to Myers with maybe some better results in their own end at a much cheaper cost like that's what you'd start to do you'd start to look at other avenues and i think ideally you can find someone on a better contract and you know i'm looking at a guy like troy stetcher and saying he's definitely a step down from myers but not as big of a step down as everybody thinks like i i think a lot of people really discount how good troy stetcher was last year and how good he's been this year for detroit like the guy's playing first pairing minutes in detroit and he's doing it pretty well uh again like that doesn't come as much of a shock to most of us but to some it might and that's just a name like i'm I'm not saying the canucks are going to go out and get troy stetcher again because how funny would that be but that's not what's (laughs) going to happen here i'm just saying you leave myers unprotected because the book is still out on you levy I think I think Benning would get in more hot water with fans and ownership and everybody else if they lose your levy for nothing, but they yes. actually use a protection spot on Myers. Like I I don't see a scenario 
where this happens. And if it does, I'll be the first to be writing about it and how bad of a decision it is. And and that situation's pretty unlikely because the Canucks are going to be able to protect three defensemen, right? It's going to be it's going to be Nate Schmidt. I mean, you don't want to lose him in expansion. Uh, it's going to be you know, Olia Levy, and then I think it's Tyler Myers. I think those are the three that they are going to protect. But man, if the Canucks are able to really you know get ahead of this and go out there and be able to trade for a lower value guy who's going to have a low value because the team needs to move on from him and wants to recoup instead of just losing him for nothing to Seattle. If the Canucks are able to make a trade for a guy that maybe fits into their four or five spot and then does release Tyler Myers to be a guy that could be picked up and don't protect Tyler Myers in the draft. I mean, that's a great spot for the Canucks to add a guy who's going to contribute to their four or five spot, maybe a similar player to what we see Troy Stetcher do with this lineup. So if the Canucks can get creative with the situation, they can really add a guy who could maybe like secure up their top four as we see guys like Rathbone and Yulevi try to push into the lineup next season. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a really good point. I, I didn't even look at it from that perspective where I say like Rathbone's knocking on the door, but he is. Like that's the that's the truth here. We haven't seen enough of Jack Rathbone at the AHL level or the NHL level, but it's small sample size, but everything we've seen suggests that Jack Rathbone can step in and have an impact on an NHL lineup. I don't think he's capable of playing top four minutes just yet, but man is he close. Yeah, absolutely. We're uh, we're gonna do a lot more expansion talk in the off season, so we'll kind of leave it there. I just wanted to address the thing because I've seen that Yolevi thing floated out quite a bit uh, over the past little bit here. So, uh, anything else you want to dive into before I get to the prospects report? There, quads? No, man. Give me some prospects. All right. So the big one, Vasily Podkolzin. Uh, he lost his first game of the second round of the playoffs. He's gonna be in action Saturday morning, potentially. As people are listening to this, you might actually have just seen the clips come out for me. Uh, and and hopefully he's having another good game. But hopefully Ska loses. I hope because uh, if they end up losing in this series, that pretty much generates the best chance, the best realistic chance for the Vancouver Canucks to get him into their lineup this season. And I know that's something that we've talked about a lot this year. I'm still kind of in the boat of, you know, him coming in next year with a fresh start, potentially bringing in, you know, another Russian that might help him just kind of ease the transition in a little bit. I've floated the idea of Igor Larianov maybe coming in and helping on the staff. That could be a nice boost to the Canucks as well. He's done great work with Russia's junior team and some other teams as well. I believe he's going to be coaching the World Championships team, which makes makes me a little bit worried about Jim Benning's ability to actually sign Pod Colson after this year because it's going to be between the Russian Federation of Hockey and Scott that's going to be like well we could release him here to Vancouver but if you do it doesn't look like he'll be back for the world championships if they keep him in Russia even after they're eliminated from the playoffs and he has to stay till the end of April and then you have the world championships starting at the end of May early June there's a better chance that you know Russia wants him there and with Larionov as the coach It'll be really interesting because I do think Larionov wants Vasily Podkolzin to have success in the NHL. You know, he's a guy who obviously had success through his NHL career. He even had time in Vancouver, which is a nice little tie-in. And I'm sure that Larionov would love to see Podkolzin play in some NHL games. I just don't think that's his decision to make, even though he is the coach of that World Championship team. But Russia is going to be in the mix to have Pod Colson on that team for the World Championships. And that that doesn't really hurt that bad, right? Like, 
playing in that tournament actually might be something that's good for Pod Colson, but it's going to be a weird year where the World Championships, like, I don't know how many Canadians or Americans are going to head over to Europe to play in the World Championships this year just with what's going on in the world, right? So it's going to be a weird tournament where I think Russia and Sweden and Finland are going to have really strong teams, and that'll be great to see how they match up against some of the better players in the SHL and the and, you know, Finnish Liga and all that stuff, all the European top leagues over there. But I would have loved to see him be able to compete against, you know, NHL players that were eliminated from the playoffs. I just don't think that they're going to be over going over to the World Championships but i do think like a few of them might right like where do you kind of stand on that like the world championships normally draw in like bo horvat's been playing has played in that one in the past we've seen a lot of canucks over the years because they get eliminated from the playoffs <laughs> go over to the world championships and play there but this year it just feels like it's going to be really weird right yeah like I- i'm thinking <laughs> i'm thinking Russia's gonna have a really good team because all their oh, players are yes just they are go over but i don't man i don't know like Okay, what I'm going to say is I doubt Canadian players want to... And I'm talking about ones that live here and play on Canadian clubs. I doubt they want to leave Canada after the season and then come back into a two-week quarantine. And granted, the two-week quarantine might be gone by then. Like, vaccines are getting rolled out. You don't know... We don't know what's going to happen at that point in time, right? So, like, that's something that needs to be considered, I think, but... I also don't really think that we're going to be looking at a scenario where there's the star-studded players that, you know, didn't yeah. make the playoffs. But I, I don't think we're going to be looking at that scenario. Like, I don't see, like, a Jack Eichel going for America or, you know, like I said, Bo Horvat for Canada. I just don't see that. Again, like, new dad, he probably just wants to spend time with his kid, right? Just looking at it, like, the way that they're going through this season here and the way that they're not able to see their families as much. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many things that are just in lockdown, specifically guys that, like, aren't married. And maybe their wives or girlfriends or even just family members are in different parts of the country or really the continent, right? I mean, a lot of these guys are American or different, different parts, really around the world, right? If you think about it, like there are a lot of players that haven't seen their families around the world. Giving that time is something different. If it was the Olympics, I think we'd be talking about a very different story, of course. But since it's just the world championships and it's already kind of cloudy going into it, I don't see them going over there. But I do see this coming up in the next few weeks here when Jim Benning isn't able to get Vasily Pod Colson over to North America, which I think is a very good possibility. Like, I just don't know. And, and I don't mean to put it on Jim Benning, but I do think that Jim Benning is going to be the one who has to, you know, initiate the plan, has to make negotiations with the Russian team and Scott and to get him out of his contract early. There's a lot of fences that you need to jump over to make this happen. And I do see a point where, you know, Benning is going to say like, well, it's going to be good for Pod Colson's development for him to go play in the world championships. We are excited to see that. And, like, it is, right? Like, but you mentioned it. Like, Russia's going to have a really good team. And Larionov, I believe, is co- – got to double-check this. But I believe he's the coach of that team. And if he is, he loves Pod Colson. He plays him in power play situations. He named him the captain of the World Juniors team. So, I do think he'll get an opportunity to play if that situation occurs. But I also don't hate the idea of him getting a couple games here in Vancouver. And if, if they're swept in the second-round playoff, like, man – I, I do think that they should make a push to get him, right? I mean, the Canucks are winning some games right now. If they really want to go on this Cinderella streak, adding Pod Colson late, late in the season is definitely going to help. But with a two-week quarantine, with the situation, I just I want to update people that I don't know if it's the likely outcome to see Vasily Pod Colson this year, even though a lot of people just, just crave that moment. And I'm one of them, man. I, I can't wait 
to see what Vasily Podkoles not only looks like, but does in the blue and green for the Vancouver Canucks, because he's going to be such a boost to the Canucks' top nine. I think he's going to make a similar impact as Niels Huglander, and I really think he's a guy that's going to fit just excellent alongside Bo Horvat. So I just I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I just don't really think it's going to happen. And if you want to look at it on the positive side, it doesn't burn any years off of his ELC. You sign him, he comes into fall training camp next year with a fresh start, and like I mentioned in past episodes, I think he can do something similar to what Niels Hoglander did in the top six this training camp. Uh, you know, we could be seeing that all over next year with Vasily Colson, and that's not a bad thing at all. With three years of very low cost, a guy that's automatically contributing into your top nine, that's a huge boost for a Canucks team that needs really every single boost that they can get moving forward. And we should add, because we did we did mention, you know, Colson comes, helps him with a playoff push, like, he can't play in the playoffs. That's the other thing, right? Like, he is not eligible to play in the NHL playoffs. Even if he comes in, helps the Canucks get there, he's not eligible to play. So that's that's another thing that I think should also kind of weigh into the decision a little bit. But I don't know. Like, yeah, I think it's best for his development to come here and play some games. But I, Stefan Rouget on, uh, on Canucks Army had a really good article about it. And he basically said... Bringing him here now and burning a year off his ELC is bad asset management, but it's still the right decision. And I think if you want to, if you want to pull a positive from him, maybe not coming here, it's definitely that there's an extra year, an extra full year on his ELC, and the Canucks are coming up to some crucial years, man. Adding an impact player like Pod Colson on the cheap like that, I mean, I, I like. I get that it's best for the player's development to come here now, but I'm also seeing it from the team perspective and long-term and just saying, like, you know what? If you can have this guy as a really cost-controlled asset again for that, for, for an extra year, like, it's tough to walk away from that, especially when he's coming into a season that's basically a write-off. Like, let's face it, man. Even if the Canucks go on some Cinderella run and make the playoffs, they're not winning the cup. And if they win the cup this year, someone's going to clip this and send it to me and I'll be the first to admit that I was wrong. But if they make it, they're not winning the cup. And that's the goal here, right? Like, it feels like every week I say this, do you want a cup or do you want to make the playoffs? Because if you want to make the playoffs, then sure, bring Pud Colson in right now. But if you want to win a cup, keeping him on an ELC for an extra year could be crucial. Mm. I, I do I do agree with that. And I think that, yeah, it's going to make a huge impact. I, I just want to go back. I do you think that he's he can play for the Canucks in the playoffs? No, I believe he no was. He on, I believe he was on that list for the Canucks. No, he can't. I'm I'm googling it. Keep talking. Okay, I, I'm just I'm pretty sure that 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 situation like that's that's another one of these tough ones where you got to do a bunch of diving in. But I'm pretty sure that he's on he was on that list that was submitted because Triamkin wasn't, uh, and that was maybe like three weeks ago or so. But I believe Pod Colson is on the list to to compete with the Canucks in the playoffs. But I, I could be wrong there because I don't remember a lot of news coming about it. I just do remember hearing that Triamkin was not put on that list. Uh, so that, that's definitely something we have to follow, but yeah, he's, you know, this is the series where they can lose, right? Like I, I talked about it like on the show a bunch of times over the past few weeks that that first round matchup, they were going to breeze through this, but Dynamo is a much better team, even though Scott looked like they were controlling the pace of play throughout the first game. They just, they couldn't get any goals passed, and it just felt like Dynamo's defense was much better and much tighter than Ska. I just, I, I'm going to be excited to follow this series for sure, and I, I think a lot of people are, are rooting for the Canucks, or for, for Vasily Podgolson's team to get knocked out 
of the playoffs, but we will see what happens here because it's going to be a story for us to follow uh, as it goes on. And that's kind of just how we've been playing it, you know, all season long, right? It's just, <laughs> it's a similar thing as Jim Bennings playing his general manager position. Like it's just day by day for us to find out with Pod Coles and news coming up. So I, I, I just think that he could make a real big addition immediately right now. And that's the big thing that Canucks fans should just be excited for as long as we kind of just watch him over in Russia doing his thing right now. Okay, so I've just sent a few messages off where I don't think we're going to get an answer uh, right now uh, live <laughs> on the show, which is just great radio for everybody listening. But this is what you're going to do, people listening. You're going to go check our Twitters because both of us will, I think Chris, okay, no, see, he can't play. The message I just got back is he cannot play in the playoffs. Okay, okay. that's what we're going with. Yeah, he can't play in the playoffs. Okay. All right, it's settled. He can't play in the playoffs. I was right. Boom. End the okay. show. Yeah, whatever. Let's let's get to a, a betting segment here real quick uh, from the folks at Odd Shark. Okay, what? The message I just got said no, and then two seconds later it said wait. So continue with Odd okay, well, Shark, and I'll yeah, hopefully well, have an answer by the end of this. Maybe we'll just get into the betting segment then. Uh, <laughs> do you have? Let's. You, I always start off these things. Do you have anything for a betting segment this week, Quads? No, I just I I I love uh, I love Odd Shark. And I check it all the time for betting trends, and I help my brother out a lot. And uh, yeah, we've we've been winning some money lately. We've been winning some money lately. I do, man. Those prop bets, you can make some serious money off those. You can, man. Okay, well, prop bets are great. I love prop bets. I, I won a couple tonight hitting on some JT Miller. I just I find that it's nice to just look at what people are setting is kind of like the plus 150 for you to hit on. Like, I think JT Miller was 2.5 shots. Horvat was 2.5 shots. These guys get three shots all the time. It, it feels like easy money. Uh, but I'm, I'm I'm currently in the middle of a parlay that is going down to the wire. Uh, for people that don't know what a parlay is, it's when you, basically when you put a bunch of games together, because it's, you know, it's, it's like, oh, I need to hit all five of these games in a row, or all four of these games need to hit. I'm currently on Friday night. I hit the one with the Capitals beating the Rangers. I picked the Canucks to beat the Canadians. I picked the Flames to beat the Leafs. I picked the Knights to beat the Kings, which have three minutes left in the second period, and the Knights are up 3-2. And then I also picked the Blues to beat the Sharks, and they're 1-1 in overtime right now. Just about to head into a shootout is what it looks like. So I'm about to either win a lot of money or not win a lot of money, and you have the option on Bodog to, like, to take the middle the middle frame here and like just pull out I think twenty dollars of what I could win in eighty. I'm just I'm a gambler, man. Like I'm gonna go for it. Uh, I think we're in a shootout and and gonna be going into the third period with the Knights leading. So I'm feeling pretty good about my bets. But yeah, Odd Sharks the way to uh, the way to make safer bets instead of doing these parlays. But at the same time, the trends are huge, right? Like I just feel like. A lot of people that are invested in betting probably know to follow a lot of trends. Odd Shark's just going to be there to help you guys kind of break down trends a little bit easier and maybe give you a little bit easier time putting everything together. So, uh, yeah, definitely a great product as well. And Quads, you just ordered a pizza, didn't you? Like, what kind of pizza did you get here as we kind of wrap up the episode? Because I'm curious. Pepperoni. Did you get it from Domino's again? No, I don't get Domino's. I can't say because it's close to my house, but there's a local pizza shop. I'm not going to say the name of it, but uh, you've ordered from it with me. Don't say the name of it, but we we have ordered from it uh, together. But uh, yeah, you liked it when we got it. That's who I ordered from. It's actually waiting for me downstairs. But before we wrap up, Chris, I did get an answer. And yes, Vasily Podkolzin can play in the playoffs. Oh, so remember, remember, yeah, do you remember five minutes ago when you're taking your victory lap? (laughs) Yes, I do. Yeah, that's what I'm doing right now, but double time. 800 meters instead of 400, bud. Two laps. All right. All right, all right, fair enough, fair enough. I'd like to He's race on you. the reserve list, right? Track. 
Yeah, oh, man, I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't do well in that. <laughs> I remember so I was playing I was playing slow pitch in the summer. Uh, and I remember like hitting, I was like, man, I was showing up. I'm like, man, I hope there's a fence at these games, you know, so I could just, you know, hit the ball over the fence and go for a nice, easy jog. But I just remember first time I went up and absolutely crushed the ball uh, over the guys. And like, I had to was like, oh man, now I have to do a full sprint around the bases. Holy cow. Not running for a couple of years and then having to run. It shocked the hell out of me. Like I, I've ran on like <laughs> treadmills or on ellipticals. It's not like I'm in a full dead sprint, right? Like what, like think about it. When's the last time that you've been in a 100% dead sprint? Yeah, it's been a while, dude. It's right? It, it kind of it shocks the system quite a bit if you don't do it for a long time. Like, like growing up playing sports, you had this as well, but like sprinting wasn't hard, but like, you're 21 and you're already say, like you're, I thought it was just me saying it at 27, but you're 21 years old and you're in a similar spot thing that it's hard to do. It's it's crazy to think about. Maybe the pandemic's forced that because otherwise, you know, we could be getting out and playing sports with people or sports leagues that we're involved with. But man, at the age of 27, quads, it's it's tough. Sprinting ain't what it used to be, buddy. Man, I'll talk to you in six years and let you know if that holds up. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to see about that. So, as we wrap up the episode, just want to make sure that people remember that I, I am right about the silly pod Colson, and uh, and Quads was wrong, even though he thought he was right. So that's great. Um, anything else you want to close out with Quads, or do you want to be wrong again before we close out this nope. episode? Anything you nope. want to be wrong about? You were right, but it makes up for the time you were so wrong about Mikey Di Pietro about two weeks ago. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, because he's going to Manitoba, according to you. Uh, <laughs> all right, we'll wrap things up there. I got my eye on my parlay bet right now, thanks to the folks at Odd Shark. Uh, thanks to all the sponsors and everyone as well. Man, it, it's just exciting, I think, for right now. I, I, I texted you this last, like, the other night at, like, 2 in the morning. But, like, I feel like I'm about to hit a groove writing about the Vancouver Canucks and putting out content because this team's just, it's so much more fun. And I know that a lot of people, like, talk about media members and, and the content that they see consistently being... Like, that we like being negative when we're putting out articles and stuff. But, man, like, I I don't think I'm in the minority here saying that, like, writing about a team that's winning is just so much more fun. Like, you get to explore different options. You're talking about how the fourth line can contribute instead of who are the who are the guys just standing out there and taking up ice time on the fourth line. <laughs> like, it's a lot of fun to be talking about a winning team. And, and, like, I think I can feel it over the energy of the last couple episodes for sure. Like, I think, I think we put together a couple really good episodes. And I'm excited to... To move forward here i know we we kind of talked about getting a guest but it's been a while and i just feel like you know i feel like we've been on a roll similar to how the canucks have lately with the show yeah it feels like that and you know we should we should uh we should put this out right now so you're away for what april 10th i think you said was the show you're gonna miss yeah okay so i'm gonna need a co-host guys so everybody everybody listening Uh-oh. to this if you're still listening Go ahead, tweet me, DM me, tell me who, you know, I'm, I'm thinking media members, I'm probably just going to get Harmon in the end, but uh, <laughs> let me know who you'd like me to get as a co-host for the show, and uh, we'll see who I pick, but uh, yeah. probably just going to no, be Harmon, but I'd like to see what people funny. say. It's funny, I think, looking at the way that it's going to line up, I... I'll have, to, I'll have to double check this, but it might be episode 150, which is like a big, nice number. Wow. And, and that's going to be the weekend where I'm not going to be able to make the show. So uh, no we'll see. That's, that'll be my first time missing the episode or missing yeah. an episode of the show. 150 episodes in. I think that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good rate so far. Wow. You know what? That's, that's crazy. There was, yeah. Remember, see, maybe we'll get you to guess, do a guest spot for five minutes. Like I did. No, I'm going to, if I do it, I'm going to take it off. Like, man, I've done a hundred. I, I think I deserve an episode off. We've been doing, you know, almost, you know, coming up to close to like, 
you know, two full years of it now, I believe, with the show. I believe it started at the end of 2019. I think it was November, December 2019 when I had Kurt Appleby on the show, and, and all we talked about in episode one was Shotgun Jake. Uh, <laughs> so, like, that was a throwback uh, definitely back in the day. So, uh, yeah, exciting things coming up. Man, I'm just excited to see what happens with the show. It's been going great lately. Appreciate the sponsors. Appreciate all the listeners. Uh, if you know anybody that enjoys Canucks content is maybe missing some things without 1040, you know, let them know about the podcast or let them know about another podcast that you enjoy. I think there's a lot of great podcasts in this market and, and everybody appreciates to see the listenership going up. So if you or somebody you know enjoys Canucks content, let them know about this show or another show or, or whatever you enjoy on Twitter. Just try and spread the news because it's, it's a tough, tough spot to be in for podcasters right now. Uh, for everybody around the media as well. So appreciate the support. Uh, anything else before we close out quads? Just a, nope. a pepperoni pizza on their way and you want to go grab some pizza. I just you? want my pizza. Yeah, I'm just keeping you here as long as possible so that pizza cools down so you can think about what you've said about Vasily Pod Colson uh, as you eat it. So for, for David Quadrelli, my name is Chris Faber, and thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of The Canucks Conversation. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.